Let's give it up for Unspoken Ministry, Unspoken Mind Ministry. Awesome. Boy, I'll tell you something. If I had to do my ministry without talking, I'd be in big trouble. That was powerful, wasn't it? Uh, Just, uh, we thank God for that ministry, and uh, we thank God for the leadership and the vision they have, and uh, just adding to our creative arts um, uh, ministries that we that we have here at the church. I just love it when the mime team is here, and uh, sometimes you get them little mimers. I love them. And today we had the, I guess the the big mimers, and they were they were awesome today. Amen. Hey, uh, Memorial Day weekend. What a what a blessed nation we are, and I'd like for all the. Ladies and gentlemen who have served in the past, you're not serving in the, in the branch of the military right now, uh, but you have served in the past. Would you stand up so we can thank you for what you did for us, all of you who have served in the past, amen, amen. Now those of you who currently serve, will you just stand right up with these who have served in the past, those of you who are currently serving, amen, amen. Thank you so much, thank you, we appreciate it. That's why we're able to be here today. That's why we're able to preach the gospel without fear. Somebody's going to come in here and try to stop us. And we thank God for uh, those who have paid the ultimate price. And this weekend is the time of remembering um, uh, those who gave their lives for the freedom we enjoy. Well, let me do just a little bit. I got two sermons today. I know you are excited about that. And uh, uh, the first one is sort of, I want to just talk about vision a little bit, talk about who we are and some of the stuff that's going on and where we're going. Y'all like what you see happening back here behind the church? You like that? That, that, uh, that new building coming up? Amen. Well, let me just tell y'all that it ain't free. And uh, we really need you to remember Giving Life Weekend next weekend. And uh, let's be faithful. Remember now, we've combined in the Giving Life Fund, when you give next weekend to the Giving Life Fund, You're giving beyond your tithe. You're giving to missions. You're giving to bread of life to help those who are hurting financially. And you're giving to the building project. And so we just ask you to be sacrificial. And we ask you to give, um, you know, not what you know you got that you can give, but give in faith and watch what God does in your life. And we're counting on you to do that. We know you will. Next weekend is so important. Hey, listen, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, at the end of that chapter, it talks about that baby church, that early church, and it says they had favor with the people. That means not only did they have favor with each other in the house of God, but they had favor in the community. They had favor with the community. We want to be that kind of church. So in downtown, metropolitan, Princeton, North Carolina, On June 2nd is Princeton Community Day. We want everybody to wear their bridge t-shirts. If you don't have one, I happen to know where you can get one today. Right through that door right there. And uh, wear your bridge t-shirt on Princeton Community Day. It's from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Let's come out and enjoy the fun. It's at Princeton Elementary School. Uh, First Wednesday, that is a big time of celebration for us. We'll be celebrating new owners. For those of you who don't understand, we don't have members here. We have owners. Members have rights. Owners have responsibility. Thank all four of you. Listen. So we're going to receive new owners. If you've been to dinner with the staff, you like what you heard, 
and this is where God is leading you to connect, then we want to receive you into, this, into our church as a new owner on June 6th. But you'll need to let us know about that. You can sign up online. If you don't do the online thing, just go out to the Connect Center uh, this morning and they will sign you up for that. We're also having child dedications on June 6th. So if you want your child dedicated, some of you may want to dedicate your husband, whatever. Whatever you want to dedicate to the Lord, uh, you just let us know. But we'll be having child dedications on Wednesday, June 6th, uh, June 6th also receiving uh, new owners into the church. We are honoring our graduates. We're honoring our graduates. There's a little change of date on that, so we wanted to mention that to you. On Thursday, June 7th, we will be honoring uh, high school and college graduates at uh, the Goldsboro campus. We have two campuses, as you probably know. So on Thursday night, June 7th, we will be honoring them at the, at the Goldsboro campus, if you'd rather do it there. On Sunday, in the second service only, second service only, 11 a.m., June 9th, June 9th, we will be honoring our um, graduates, and you need to let us know, sign up online, again, if you don't do that kind of thing, go out here, they'll sign you up, you can call the church office as well, talk to Pastor Andy, he'll hook you up on that deal, all righty? Hey, first time guests, don't forget your gift on the way out at the VIP tent, Hey, listen, guys, we got brand new invite cards. How many of you know, uh, maybe you own your own business, how many of you know uh, advertising is very expensive? Very expensive. But you know what? The best advertising is also free. And that's you guys helping us get the word out about what God is doing in this place. So we want to put tools in your hand. This is a little invite card. Pick up a few of these, keep them in your car, your briefcase, your purse, and just when people talk about the church or people are looking for a church or you get in a conversation with somebody about the Bible or whatever, just say, hey, man, I don't know if you go to church or not, but take this card and, and uh, be, uh, accept this as a personal invitation to come and be a part of our services. If you go to church somewhere, just go ahead and take this card anyway and pray for us. When you see this card, pray for our church. We also have updated um, Just Because cards because the world has enough information. What they need is more demonstration of who Jesus is. So let's pick up the Just Because cards. I, I trust that you guys are using these. For those of you who don't know what a Just Because card is, you do a random act of kindness for someone and you just leave the card. And it doesn't bring any glory or honor to you except in heaven. And uh, it just tells them that they've experienced a random act of kindness. And so let's go out and show the love of Jesus. If we'll show the love of Jesus, then they will want to hear about our Jesus. Isn't that true? Amen. So pick up some of these on your way out. And uh, we've got some ladies who are going to the Women's Deepening Weekend. And uh, that's sort of like uh, Top Gun for the guys. How many, how many of my guys went to Top Gun? Give me a woo-hoo. All right. Awesome. Wasn't many of you, but you were loud. That's good. Um, Chick-fil-A, have a little fundraiser for the ladies, so make sure you pick up one of these and read the information on there. Chick-fil-A is helping us raise money uh, to send our ladies to Women's Deepening Weekend, so check that out. You ready for the word? Say amen. amen. Sermon number two. Sermon number two. Well, we're talking about parenting. I think we need some information about parenting in these days we live in, don't you? 
how about last weekend? I wasn't here, but I heard Pastor Josh brought it. Did he bring it last weekend? How about the whole youth team? I heard they just were awesome. And um, honestly, guys, I have been a pastor since I was 19 years old. And uh, I have never been a part of a church that has more talented people. I mean, off the charts, talented people than this church. Sometimes it's very, very intimidating when you just see so many talented people around you because it's my responsibility and the responsibility of our staff to make sure we get everybody plugged in using their gifts and using their talent. And Maybe you're sitting out there and you're not using yours. We hope you'll step up. Let us know what you're good at. You know, all gifts and talents aren't up here on the stage. Some of them are behind the scenes. We thank God for behind the scenes people, don't we? Right behind that wall right there where those beautiful sconces are, are people freaking out in the media room, I'm telling you right now. And uh, no, I went in there today, it was just real calm. Everybody was real calm. Everything's working out great. They were actually involved in worship in there. And uh, so, so they're behind the scenes people, people who construct sets, people who... Um, create the stage environment that you see here. So I don't know what your uh, gift is or what your talent is, but let us know. Let us know. And, and one of the best ways to let us know is just go on the website and click on the email there, info at bridgechurch.cc. Tell us about yourself. There's also a whole page there that says uh, serve like Jesus. Click on that and, and just let us know what you're good at. We want to get you plugged in using your gift to build the body of Christ and the church said so we're talking about parenting, and a couple of weeks ago we started this series, we called it How to Be a Godly Mother, because it was Mother's Day, so we're going to kind of change the title a little bit today, even though we're going to stay in the same passage, stay in the same area of the Bible, we're going to talk about how to be a godly parent, and in this message we're looking at an Old Testament mom, an Old Testament mother, and her name is Hannah. So we're going to be in 1 Samuel primarily. Now we'll look at 2 Samuel briefly, but or not 2 Samuel, but 1 Samuel chapter 2. But we're going to take most of the message from 1 Samuel chapter 1. Let me give you a little bit of background about what's going on in this story. It's the period of the Judges. The seventh book in your Bible is the book of Judges. If you will study the book of Judges, you will discover that this is... Um, a time in the uh, history of Israel where the situation was extremely difficult. Now, the reason it was extremely difficult is because they had gotten away from God. We understand in this house this morning that when you get away from God, you're asking for trouble, aren't you? And in the book of Judges, they had gotten away from God, and so they're asking for trouble, and trouble came. Uh, Israel, during the book of Judges, was in a state of fluctuation. It was in a state of turmoil and confusion. We all remember Samson, the muscle man of the Bible. Well, he had died uh, in the book of Judges. Uh, uh, as we progress through that book, he dies. and um, So the land is in, is in great need, desperate need, of a great leader. Uh, it is a time of chaos and great sinfulness. And they need someone to rise up and lead. They need someone godly to rise up and lead. Well, we know that in order for there to be a godly man who can lead, there's got to be a godly woman first, or there would be no godly men. Amen, ladies? Amen? And so we're talking about Hannah. 
The best way to, to introduce Hannah to you is to go to the second chapter of 1 Samuel. So if you have your Bible uh, with you this morning, you want to follow along, I'm, I think I'm going to read primarily out of the New uh, King James Version, uh, also a little bit out of the New Living Translation. Uh, for those of you who are pretending you have your Bible on your phone, you know, get that out. And um, I'm just kidding. And uh, uh, we're going to look at it up on the screen as well. Not all the scriptures today will be on the screen. So when we mention a scripture that doesn't come up on the screen, it's really important, guys, for you to use that little space we give you on your card to write this down and look up these scriptures when you get home and dig deeper into the stuff you hear preached on here on Sunday morning. So the best way to introduce Hannah, let's look at 1 Samuel. Let's go to chapter 2, then we'll back up. But let's go to chapter 2 first, verses 1 and 2. Now the way that you can learn a lot about a person is to listen to their prayers and listen to how they pray. Um, i got to tell you a little pet peeve of mine is people who pray repetitiously. We have to be very careful about that. If you're not very careful, you're going to say the same thing every time you pray. And our prayers need to be fresh. Our prayers need to be thought through. Uh, um, our prayer, as a matter of fact, the Bible addresses uh, praying repetitiously, praying without thought, praying without uh, knowing the scriptures and processing it as the Holy Spirit leads you to pray. So let's look at Hannah's prayer, and she says in 1 Samuel 2 verse 1, my heart rejoices in the Lord. She's saying to us that if you want to know where I get my joy, I get my joy from the Lord. My focus is on the Lord. The Lord is first in my life, first in my life. My horn, that word means strength. My strength is exalted or increased. My strength is increased in the Lord. Notice that her focus is on God. We're talking about being a godly mother. We're talking about being a godly parent. Her focus is is on the Lord. And then she says, because I find my uh, joy in the Lord and because I find my strength in the Lord, I'm able to smile at my enemies and not fear them because I rejoice, I find my fulfillment in your God's salvation. Look at verse 2. No one, she says in this prayer, is holy like the Lord. Notice how Again, she keeps exalting the Lord. She keeps saying, Lord, uh, you are primary. You are, uh, you, know, you know something, uh, get this right here. God doesn't want prominence in your life. God wants preeminence in your life. God doesn't want just a top spot. God wants the top spot. Y'all with me out there? I feel like y'all still waking up this morning. Uh, he wants preeminence in, in your life. Everybody say this with me. God wants preeminence in my life again remember not prominence but preeminence here's what's wrong in the church here's what's wrong with a lot of Christians I would almost be um, bold enough to say most Christians is they think giving God prominence giving God um, a high level of attention is all they need to do. No, first place, first place. We'll talk about that more. No one is holy like the Lord. For she says, Lord, there is none beside you. 
What she means by that is there's nobody to be compared with God. There is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. So that tells you all about Hannah right there. I mean, really, we could go into a whole lot more, and we're going to go into a whole lot more here in just a minute. But that right there alone, we could dismiss right now. We're not going to, but we could dismiss right now. And you would know a lot about Hannah by looking at that passage right there. So in 1 Samuel chapter 1, we meet an Old Testament family uh, that's kind of like a soap opera. We got Elkanah. Elkanah's the husband in this story. He's the father of the children. But he's got a problem. He's got two wives. One of his wives is named Hannah. Hannah's the one we're talking about in this sermon it appears that she was the first one he married. She couldn't have any children, and because of the culture of that day and the pressure of society on him to not only have a child but to have a son, he married a second wife, help him, Jesus, and the people said, amen. And her name was Penina. And Penina gave him many children, um, both boys and girls. The Bible talks about that. So you've got three here together in this house. One man with two wives, one able to bear children, one not able to bear children. Also, we disclosed in the last message that he loved one of them. Uh, we're not sure how he felt about Penina because the Bible doesn't say, but it tells us that he loved Hannah. So you got some, some stuff going on in this house. And uh, uh, there's trouble. And Penina is uh, mocking uh, Hannah because Hannah can't have children. And probably one of the reasons Penina is mocking her and ridiculing and berating her is because she knows Elkanah doesn't really love her. Even though she's the one having the children, she knows Elkanah doesn't really love her the way he loves Hannah. And so we got a soap opera going on in this house. Now, what we're doing in this message is we are breaking down Hannah's life into three basic qualities. There are three qualities that Hannah has that every mom and every dad need in this church. Every person, including your pastor, standing right up here preaching this morning. The first quality we looked at a couple weeks ago, Hannah was a godly parent, and it was revealed in the fact that she had a right relationship with her husband in other words her marriage was good and you're you're going to have a lot of difficulty bringing up your children the way you want them to come up if you and the spouse aren't together and so one of the first things you've got to do is take advantage of the ministries of this church and other ministries you got to take advantage of the teaching of this church and teaching you can get from other sources, and you've got to work on your marriage. A lot of people want to work on their parenting and work on their children, and they want to do it in neglect of their marriage. I'm telling you, you are uh, sabotaging your ability to be a good parent if you are not cultivating daily your marriage relationship. And the people said... Oh me, because that's the truth. Hannah had a right relationship with her husband. How do we know that? Well, we studied that in 1 Samuel 1, 3, she worshiped with him. She worshiped with her husband. 
And in uh, uh, verse 4, we found out, the Bible says Elkanah loved Hannah. Elkanah loved Hannah. Elkanah plus Hannah. Elkanah carved in the tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. And so Elkanah loved her. Now, I want to say this to you, and then we're going to get into the new material. Listen, if you are worshiping with your spouse and you are in love with your spouse, that is going to be a good, solid foundation that will help you bring up your children in the nurture and the admonition of God. Because they are not only listening to what you say, they are watching what you do. Isn't that the truth? How many of you watch little kids, daddy do something, that little boy do just what daddy did? I mean, the way daddy sit, I saw a picture the other day, somebody put a picture on Facebook, and the daddy was sitting in his recliner and had one hand behind his head and had his leg crossed over the other leg, and the little boy is beside of him kind of looking at his daddy, and he put his hand back there and crossed his leg. He wants to be just like you, sir. He wants to be just like you. So when he sees you treat your wife, his mom, maybe it's not his mom. We've got different kinds of families today. Doesn't matter. When he sees how you treat the person you say you love, he's going to mimic you. He's going to love like you love. He wants to be like you, sir. She wants to be like you, ma'am. Your children are watching you. And so Hannah had a right relationship with her husband. Here's what we want to talk about today, number two. Hannah not only had a right relationship with her husband, but she had a right relationship with heaven. She had a right relationship with God. Now I want you to notice something about Hannah, and i got to tell you, when I was studying this and digging into this, I saw some stuff I'd never seen before that just jumped out at me. You know, Hannah was hurt. Can we just talk about some layers of pain? First of all, Hannah marries Elkanah, you know, da, 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 you know the wedding, and... Uh, that was the wedding song, I think. And, uh, and Hannah marries, okay, and she's got hopes and dreams, and they're going to have children. And, and then she finds out she can't have children. Hurt number one. So then she finds out that her husband is under such pressure to have a child, and especially to have a son, that he brings another woman into the house. You think that hurt? Hurt number two. Well, then the woman began to bear children. Hannah couldn't bear children. A bunch of little kids run around the house, and none of them are Hannah's. Hurt number three. Then this woman doesn't uh, develop a relationship with Hannah that is kind and loving, but rather because she knows Elkanah actually loves Hannah most, then she begins, because of her lack of a relationship with God, evidently, she begins to ridicule Hannah, hurting them. Do y'all see what I'm saying? Layers of pain. Layers of wounding. And I am talking to people sitting right here in this room who have layers of hurt in your life. Life, it seems to you, has been unfair. It, you, you've just suffered injustices. Now, I want to tell you that when that happens to you, because we live in a sin-cursed environment, 
So all of us suffer woundings, but many of us suffer more woundings than other people do. And we see that and we look at that and the first thing the enemy comes to us and says is, that isn't fair. And so when we feel like we've been treated unfairly, when we feel like we've been treated with injustice, many times we lash out. We lash out. Do you know people who are just angry? Don't point. Do you know, do you work with people? Do you live with somebody? Do you have family or friends? And they're just mad. They're just angry. They're just, um, when you enter into some kind of uh, um, gathering with them or you know you're going to connect with them, you've got to brace yourself. You've got you to walk on eggshells. You've got to remember what you can say and what you can't say because somewhere in that person is this big open wound, this raw place that you didn't mean to touch, but you touch it, and when you do, wow. Y'all know what I'm talking about today? You know what I'm preaching on? I got to tell you that Hannah had every right to be like that. Hannah had every right to be angry. And as I look around me, and as I deal with people, and even as I look within myself, I can see that anger is a major, major issue that we have to be very careful of as Christians because we can lose our testimony because the Holy Spirit doesn't um, rule in our lives. Can I preach like this this morning? So Hannah, i got to tell you guys, I thought about these layers of wounding and these layers of pain and these layers of hurt in her life. But when I, you know, when you read the Bible, as you become a student of the Bible, you will not only notice the things you do see, but you will notice things you don't see. And you know what I don't see in this story? I don't see her lashing out at Elkanah. I don't see her lashing out. I mean, how many of you ladies out there would think it would be kind of unfair and hurtful if you saw your husband saying, you know what, baby, I, you can't have children, so I've got, to, I've got to get me a lady and bring her in here, and I've got to have some children. I mean, would that be hurtful to you? Would you want to lash out? I've got to tell you something. When I read this, I'm surprised Elkanah is alive. But she not only doesn't kill him, which I think is remarkable, but she doesn't lash out at him. It's not in the Scripture. When she's mocked and berated, she doesn't lash out at Penina. And i got to tell you, if a bunch of, can I be Southern right here for just a minute? If a bunch of little young'uns were running around my house that weren't my children, and the mama of them was berating me, I'd probably want to lash out at them a little bit. Oh, y'all look so holy. Y'all go brave hard on them children, because I know you would. So Elkanah's not dead, Penina's not dead, and the children are all alive. Hannah <laughs> was a woman of God. Isn't that amazing? Is that amazing to you? Not only did <laughs> that she didn't do physical harm, but she doesn't even lash out. 
I know a few people like that. I don't really know if I'm one of them or not, to be real honest with you, but I know some people like that. And they're controlled by the Holy Spirit. Hannah was that person Paul talked about over in Ephesians and Galatians when he talked about being filled with the Spirit and being being a person that gave forth the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Hannah did it. Now, Hannah, you say, well, she's got pain, Pastor. What did she do with it? I mean, she didn't unleash it on her husband or Penina or the children. She took it to the Lord. Oh. I, I'm giving you, I'm giving me, God's given us a key this morning to a level of joy and release in our life if we'll get hold of this. Take your pain, take your injustice, take your abuse, take your mistreatment, take your unfair dealings that life has given you and don't lash out at the people around you, but take it to the Lord. I'm preaching right here now. I'm telling you right now, it will change your life. It will set you free. Because here's what happens. When we are wounded and we take it out on all the people around us, then they come back and the wounds just get worse and, and more infected and the wounds just get increased and the wounds never heal. Not only do they not heal, they just get worse. So I'm telling you that the key right here to many of you sitting here listening to me preach today, the key to your joy. Notice what Hannah kept saying in her prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 2. I rejoice in the Lord. I rejoice in the Lord. My, my rejoicing is in the Lord. Let me back up to that verse a little bit. She says, she says my heart rejoices in the Lord. Uh, she says, I'm able to smile at my enemies. I, you think when she said, I'm able to smile at my enemies, don't you think Penina's picture was right there in front of her? Amen. I'm able to smile at my enemies. Why? Because I rejoice in you, O Lord. Do you hear me this morning? Take your hurt, take your pain to the Lord. Bring it to the Lord. You say, well, why isn't she bitter? She is bitter. There is bitterness in her. But she brings it to God. She brings it to God. Now, this scripture isn't up on the screen, <laughs> isn't up on the screen, but I hope you'll listen carefully as I read it this morning. I should have put it on the screen, but I forgot to do it. So listen. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 1, 9 and 10, it says, So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. Now listen to verse 10. And Hannah was in bitterness of soul. So Hannah was hurting. I don't, I don't want you to misunderstand me today. I'm not saying that life can deal you a bunch of garbage and it's not going to hurt you. She's hurt. There's bitterness of soul going on here. And she was in bitterness of soul and she prayed to the Lord. I want you to write that verse down. I want you to remember that verse. 1 Samuel 1.10 And she was in bitterness of soul and she prayed to the Lord. Listen to this. And she wept in anguish she wept in anguish I, Hannah wasn't some kind of super Christian Hannah wasn't some kind of Christian that didn't hurt like other people Hannah was, had bitterness of soul Hannah was in anguish but she didn't take it out on the people around her 
she took it to the Lord. Oh, what a great truth for us this morning. What a great truth for me this morning. Taking our pain, taking our hurt to the Lord. She didn't she didn't even take it to the people who were responsible for it. I mean, she could have lashed out at people who had nothing to do with their pain. How many of you have caught bitterness from people? You didn't cause their bitterness, but you caught it. You caught it from them. You say, I work with that person every day. No, don't raise your hand on that one because they might be watching online when they could see you. But <clears throat> Hannah was a remarkable woman of God. Now, when a woman like Hannah is hurting, she wants to go talk to a pastor. She wants to go talk to, in this case, the priest. Well, Eli, do y'all know this story? What a pathetic person Eli was. Eli was a proverbial slob. I mean, when she gets to the temple that day to pray, he's sitting on a stool that he is worn out because he can hardly stand up, leaning on a post that's holding up the temple. And she walks in and walks past him and goes to the altar, and there she is, weeping and crying and praying. You say, well, how do you know Eli was all that? Well, the Bible describes him that way. The Bible talks about his sons carrying on unspeakable sins on the steps of the temple. He didn't even get up off the stool to do his priestly duties. He certainly didn't ever get up off the stool to check on his own children. I mean, this is the pastor of the church that she goes to. This is the priest. This is the spiritual leader. She wants somebody to pray with her. She wants somebody to talk to her. So she walks by this guy, and the Bible says that she prayed and wept bitterly. Can I just say this before we move on? Some of you right here this morning are not going to get the breakthrough in your life that you're wanting until you get somewhere by yourself and weep this thing out and cry out to God. There are people sitting here this morning in this audience, and you say, are you talking about specific people? I just know how life is. And I know in an audience this big, we got people like that right here today. And you are hurting so bad, but you hold it in. You don't want anybody to see that you aren't strong. And you don't want anybody to see that you're not on top of everything. And you don't want anybody to think that anything gets to you. Listen to me. You don't have to do it here. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't recommend you come here and do it. You need to get by yourself somewhere in your house. Go in the bathroom and get down by the great white throne. Amen. And cry out to God and let that anguish out and weep it out. That is what Hannah is doing. And some of you will not get breakthrough until you do it. Hannah was an awesome parent because she had a right relationship with her husband. She had a right relationship with heaven. It's needful for all of us that when we have a problem, Go to the Lord with it. I'm telling you, this is, a, I believe that sometimes I just preach and teach from the scriptures and God touches the message because it is his word. But I believe this morning, and I don't mean to scare anybody or freak anybody, I believe this is a prophetic word to this church to stop lashing out at the people around you and take your bitterness of soul to the altar. 
Take it to the altar. Take it to God in prayer. Some of you are destroying your marriage. You're destroying your relationship with your children. You're destroying your relationship with the people around you. You're destroying your relationship with everybody around you because there is bitterness of soul in you and you keep lashing out at the wrong people. Take it to the Lord in prayer and let him set you free. Now when I about lose my microphone, God's all over me, all right? I want you to notice some qualities of Hannah. The first one is that Hannah wasn't passive. She was passionate. This is how we know she had a right relationship with heaven. She was passionate. Can I tell you that you've got to be passionate about your walk with God or you're going to drift? Can I say to you that you never drift in the right direction, you always drift in the wrong direction. Nobody ever drifted into heaven, but a lot of people have drifted into hell. You never drift in the right direction. If you're going to make it to heaven, you've got to be passionate. If you're going to live victoriously in this world, there's got to be some passion about your relationship with God and your walk with God. Let's read it. I'll get loud if I need to. 1 Samuel 1, 11. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts. So she's praying. She's praying. Eli's sitting over there on the stool. We're going to talk about him in a minute. She's praying, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant. Look how she's talking here. You say, well, I don't really know what to say when I come before God with my bitterness of soul. Well, let's look at what she said. She called her bitterness of soul, look what she called it. She said, if you will indeed look on the what? Affliction. I'm telling you, wounds that come to you, and I'm not saying you haven't been treated unfairly. I'm not saying you haven't been treated unjustly. Unjustly. Injustly. Wrong. I'm saying, I'm saying that, that you've got to channel that to the right source for help or you'll always have it. So she comes to the Lord and she says, I have an affliction. I've been wounded. Please, Lord, look on it. Look on my affliction. Look what she calls herself. Don't you love that language? Maidservant. And then she says, she asked the Lord to what? Remember me. And not forget your what? Maidservant. But... Lord, I'm asking you to give your maidservant a male child. Boy, she got specific, didn't she? Can I ask you guys something? Are y'all still praying circles? You say, well, we're, just, we're not on that sermon series anymore. Don't make me come down there. Look, when we preach a sermon series, we're establishing a practice in your life. You need to, some of y'all need to get those prayer circles that, that you've already folded them up. There are no Sears and Roebuck catalog. Do we even make Sears and Roebuck catalogs anymore? Anyway, they're somewhere in a magazine, Woman's World magazine. Get that thing out. Get, get those circles. Are you still praying over those things? Are you still praying specifically? Look what she says here. I want a male child. Lord, just, you know, just child it's up to you no god wanted her to come and say god god here's what 
My request is, here's what I'm asking for. You have not because you ask not. She says, I want a male child. And then, Lord, I will give him to you. I will give him back to you all the days of his life. And then it talks about a razor coming upon his head. That's, a, that's an Old Testament thing. That's actually a whole other sermon we could preach on. But um, she says, Lord, if you will give me a male child, I'll give him back to you. The fact that she didn't have children, listen, it was devastating to her. Why was it devastating to her? Because of the way she viewed children. She viewed children as a heritage from the Lord. She viewed children as a blessing. She was not selfish. She didn't want a child so that she could prove her womanhood. She didn't want a child so she could just show it off to everybody. She wanted a child because she thought it was God's best gift and because she wanted to present the child back to the Lord. She was willing to accept full responsibility for parenthood. She was not a passive parent. She was a passionate parent. She wanted to serve God as a passionate parent. Listen carefully. Um, a godly parent is not a reluctant parent. A godly parent prays. A godly parent has a strategy. A godly parent is passionate. A godly parent doesn't just hope their child ends up in the right place and, and, and doesn't just uh, try to, you know, uh, say, well, you know, there's all the children. A, a parent, a godly parent is one that is passionate, strategic, not reluctant, not passive, but leads their child. See, there's a difference in you not being where you ought to be with God and kind of hurting your child toward God. There's a difference in that and getting out in front and saying, come with me, I'm going to God and I want you to come with me. We're all going to God. Are you all with me on that? Because I know a lot of people who want us to make their children godly here at the church. They want to kind of live like they want to at home, but they want to bring them here and they want us to make sure they're godly. That's not our job. That's not my job to make your children godly. It's not Pastor Josh's job. It's not Pastor Andrew's job to make your children godly. It's your job to make your children godly. You will stand before Lord God and answer for the walk that your children have with the Lord and whether you led them or just tried to herd them or push them toward God while you kind of went in another direction. That's good preaching right there. Hannah was not only passionate, number two, Hannah was prayerful. She was prayerful. Look at verse 12. The Bible says she, I love the word, she didn't, it doesn't just say she prayed, but she what? Continued, which means she had already been. You can't continue something you haven't started. So she was a woman of prayer, and I'm asking you today, how much you pray for your children? If we spend as not much time praying for them as we did fussing at them, wonder what kind of kids they'd be. <laughs> it's quiet in here today, isn't it? If we, if we spend as much time praying for them, I love verse 12 because it just shows us so much about Eli. And Eli observed her mouth. So he's sitting on the stool. He's probably thinking about some buffet in town he's going to hit later, Bojangles. He's leaning on the pub. You say, because all you got to do is study. I'm sorry. Do y'all see funny stuff in the Bible? You say, not as much as you do, Pastor. I understand that. 
But I just see him because I don't think he saw this kind of thing very much. Do you understand what's going on? Hannah's in the altar. She is, she is pouring it out, brother. And the reason he's looking at her is because she's praying out loud, and he can see her mouth moving, and he can hear. Y'all, how many of y'all got a Pentecostal background? Pentecostal. You ever heard a Pentecostal church where they say, Brother Joe, lead us in prayer, and it sounds like everybody's name was Brother Joe? Because they all start praying. We call that concert prayer. <laughs> I remember as a little kid, I grew up in churches like that. I'd look up to heaven and go, God, I hope you got this because I ain't getting nothing down here. I don't even know. And God reminded me they wasn't talking to me. He's talking to him. He can decipher it, can he? Aren't y'all glad he can take our jumbled up prayers and he knows what they mean? Isn't that awesome? So the Bible says that, that he's sitting there on that stool just looking at her. And she's pray- And what that tells us because her mouth is moving is that he can hear her and that he's just never seen people pray like this. He's never seen anybody pray like this. And he's just enamored with her. And she is crying out to God because she understands, listen to me, that Elkanah, her husband, is not the source of the child she wants. God is the source of the child she wants. God is the source of the child. So she's there praying and she's saying, "Uh, God, uh, I've got a need I need to share with you. And I know you're my source. A lot of us are not getting anywhere in our walk with God because we think what we need is coming from somewhere other than God. I keep pointing us all, including me, back to God today. Hannah's showing us that Elkanah, she goes, I love my husband, but he's not uh, the problem. The problem is that God has caused me not to be able to have children. So if I'm going to be able to have children, I've got to get that ability from God. And so she came to him in prayer. Can I ask you a question? Do you believe that every child ever conceived in this world is a precious gift of God? Do you believe that? You say, well, you know, I know some children that were conceived uh, in a sinful act. Yeah, but they're pure. They're, 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 they didn't do anything wrong. People talk about illegitimate children. I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but there aren't any illegitimate children. There are some illegitimate parents, but there aren't any illegitimate children. Children are, they come into this world, they they didn't have anything to do with that. And and every child conceived is a gift of God. I curse abortion today. I curse it. Now, there's a time I could have said that, and I'd have got a big old amen, but it's not politically correct. Now, so I'm going to say it again, and I want you to get over your politically correct selves, and I want you to understand where this church stands on abortion. I curse abortion today in this house. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, understand me. If you're here today and you've had an abortion, God loves you. God loves you. And God will wash that and cleanse that. Matter of fact, he'll throw that as far as the east is from the west, and you'll come up to him and go, God, remember that abortion I had? And if you've brought it to him in prayer and repented of that, he'll go, no, I really don't remember that. He doesn't remember your sin against you anymore. But I just, I just, it is important for us It is important for us in this day of political correctness to make sure that we still let people know what the truth is. And it's important for me to stand up here and you understand where this church is at on issues like that. You say you want them right-wing political extremists, you can call me whatever you want to call me. I know abortion is a sin and I know abortion is wrong. 
every child conceived is a precious gift from God. And Hannah prayed for a child, and we need to pray for a child. And Hannah prayed passionately, and we need to pray passionately. She prayed for a child who wasn't even born yet. We need to pray for our children who aren't born yet, just like she did, and pray for them once they are born. Hannah's passion for parenthood was revealed in the way she prayed. Let me close with this. And I got five or six of them, so I'm quitting on three. So y'all ought to love me for that. Okay, send me some emails and go, you rock, only three. Okay. She was passionate, prayerful. She made a promise. Now, you ought not make a promise to God if you're going to not keep it, if you're not going to keep it. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it would be better not to make a vow to God and not keep it than it would be, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but unless you're going to keep that vow, don't make it. Amen? God said it would be just better not to even make it, not to even make me a promise. God said don't make me a promise if you're not going to keep it. It would be better if you hadn't even come to me with that. And I want to just say to you today, and I know I'm preaching some really straight up stuff here today, and they're stirring the pot down at the bottom maybe where it hadn't been stirred in a while. I just want to tell you that, that some of you are sitting here that at a time of crisis in your life, you promised God something. If he would do, you would do, and you've never done your part. He did his, but you never did yours. You never made that level of commitment because once your problem was solved, you just kind of drifted away. Can I preach like that? So the Bible says she makes a promise. We're going to go back to verse 11. We already read verse 11 one time, but let's read it in the context of this vow. The Bible says in the first few words of the verse, then she, Hannah, made a what? Say it. Vow. And she said, O Lord of hosts, and here comes that huge little word. This is a, this is a tiny word. It is, the, it is the smallest word, it looks like to me, uh, with the exception of some that are just as small in this verse. Well, I would be a smaller word. But it is one of the smallest words in this verse, but it is one of the most significant words in this verse. If. If you what? Will. If you, dear Lord, if you will. Indeed, look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, servant, but give your maidservant a male child. Look at the next three words. Are y'all looking at it? Then I will. Do y'all see it right there? Third line from the bottom. Then I will. Look at the second line from the top. If you will, then I will. I got to tell you, that's some serious stuff right there. When you say to God, if you will, then I will, that's serious. God takes you up on that. That's called a covenant. God don't believe in breaking covenants. If you will, I will. She's making a vow. I love this. You know what she's saying? She's saying the first thing I got to do if I'm going to be a good parent is I got to give you my life. I've got to give you my life. Now, look what she says. If you will heal my bitterness of soul, then I will give the child, him, the male child that I just asked for, to you, the Lord, how long? 
That's pretty big right there. And she makes this vow, but she understands that the first thing she has to do as a parent is she's got to give, she's got to give herself to God. And that's where the breakdown is. We're preaching on parenthood. This is a sermon on parenthood. This is where the breakdown is. We want our children to serve God, but we're not all that passionate about serving God. Well, let me just ask you a question, really. What do you want most for your child? I want him to serve the Lord. You know, it's so easy for that to flow out. I just want him to serve the Lord. I just want her to serve the Lord. Do you really? I mean, is that number one? Because i got to tell you, a lot of parents I run into, the number th- one thing they want is for their child to go to college, graduate with good grades, and make a lot of money. Now, I'm not against that. I'm not against that. Matter of fact, here's what I hope for your children. That they will all go to college, get real good jobs, making a whole bunch of money, and come back and go to church here and pay their tithes. That's what I hope. So I ain't against it. Let me clear that up. But when I talk to parents, they want to talk to me all the time about things like that. I rarely hear them talk about the hopes and dreams they have for their children and their relationship to God. I'm just saying. I, I, may have, I won't even say may. I'll just say I, I've made that mistake. I think I've made that mistake as a father. Because it's easy to say, oh, I want my kids to serve God. I want my kids, first of all, above all things, I want them to love God. I want them to be Christians. I think sometimes we say that, but we spend a whole lot more time helping them pick the right school. We spend a whole lot more time helping them get the right job. We spend a whole lot more time getting them set up in this world and spend very little time getting them set up to enter the next world. I'm included in there with you. I'm with you, guys. I'm not not coming down on you. I'm coming down on us. Is that what you want? You say, well, my children are grown, and I don't really, well, yes, you do. I'm telling you, you got more influence with your grown children than you, you think you do. But those of you who have those little ones, man, I've got to tell you, i got to tell you something. I'm 55 years old, and when I brought my boys up, there wasn't much teaching about parenting. Nobody ever did a sermon series on parenting. There wasn't, there wasn't many books out on parenting. I didn't even know who James Dobson was. Matter of fact, i got to tell you something. I didn't find out who James Dobson or Focus on the Family or any of that was until I was about 33, 34 years old. And my boys were already coming up, entering into their teenage years. Let me tell you, I know it's a bad time, but I'll tell you this. You say, we're just bringing up kids in a real bad time. That may be true, but I want to tell you something. You've got more resources as a young parent today than, and you might, you might say, well, we got more battles too. I understand that, but I'm telling you, you've got more material and more resources available to you today to be a good parent than ever before in history. Tons of free material to help you be a good parent and lead your children Toward God. So I want you to really inventory 
the desire of your heart as to whether it really is the first thing, the number one thing you want for them to serve God, is to serve God. Because I think it's really easy to say that, but then our actions, our time, and our checkbook is more toward getting them set up down here. Am I preaching right? I mean, I'm preaching to me. So God, wake us up and help us to put more energy, more time, yes, even more finances in having what we need as parents to lead, not get behind our kids and shoo them toward God while we go do something else, but get in front of them because we're right with God and lead them toward God. That's good preaching right there, boys and girls. Let's pray. Would you stand? Father, I've got to tell you, I feel convicted here today. I, I don't know how the church feels, but I'm under conviction. I'm under conviction. I know I could have done a better job. I know I could have been more passionate about leading my boys toward you. I know I could have, God, and I, I repent. I repent of the sin of wanting more for my boys on this earth. Saying I wanted more for them in heaven, but really my actions and my time and my checkbook said I was more invested in their time here on earth than I was in their eternity. So Father, I come before you today and I ask you to forgive me and I ask you, Father, now that I have come to a realization of that fact that you will help me to have as much influence in their life as I possibly can for the rest of their life to follow you with their whole heart. Just stir the hearts of the parents here in this church. Are we having devotion? I mean, when, I, when we're grown, when, when our children are grown, are they going to say, I heard my daddy pray? When our children are grown, are they going to say, I heard my daddy teach the Bible, I heard my mama pray, I heard my mom, my mom's the one who taught me about Jesus, my mom is the one, I, I got stuff at church, but man, the primary place I got it was in my house. The primary place I learned about God, the primary place I learned about the Bible, the primary place I learned how to walk out the Christian life was at the feet of my daddy, at the feet of my mom. Wake us up, oh God. Our kids aren't going to drift toward you. Our kids are not going to drift toward heaven. Our kids are not going to drift in the right direction. They're going to drift in the wrong direction. So we got to go against the tide first. We got to go against the current as parents. And we got to take our children by the hand and lead them against the current of this world system toward you. Help us do it, Lord. As we depart this place, may the conviction of the Holy Spirit go with us. May the message of the Word of God be repeated over and over in our minds, including my own mind, because this Bible, I didn't write it. God, it's your Word to me too. And help us to lead. Help us get out front and lead our children toward you, toward heaven. I pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said...